Welcome to the Gospel Journey Podcast. The Gospel Journey exists to help our people get into discipleship relationships that are centered on God's Word and led by His Spirit. Today, we're in week 8 of Path 8, and that's Hebrews chapter 11. And this morning, I am joined again by our student pastor, Pace McKee. Pace, thanks for joining us again. Absolutely. Glad to be here, Jamie. So last week, Pace, we unpacked Hebrews 10, uh, which is a, a weighty chapter uh, centered on the Old Covenant, New Covenant, how the New Covenant is superior and everything Christ has accomplished for us on that behalf. Now, almost as this, I think, this nail that he is hitting with a final blow, uh, uh, this is driving home his argument and his exhortation, please persevere. Mm. Don't depart from Christ. Don't return to Mm. old ways of worship. He gets to Hebrews 11, and he just starts listing off Everyone that's come before you. Yes. Right. He's saying, okay, just so you know, uh, all these old saints is the language we could use now. Remember what they went through. Right. So you may be feeling a little pressure now. You may be going through a little persecution now. Let me just, just roll back to time of history. Here is the legacy of faith in which you walk as a follower of Christ. And just if so, you know, if you choose to leave then you are departing from everything that's been true of those who came before you. It is a powerful passage. So powerful. And as I read it, just reminded of of, of the privilege of reading God's Word. Mm-hmm. It's almost just a, you know, you read through here and there's all these many, it's almost just a, a little summarization of everything that's happened. And it's so encouraging. It's life-giving. You read it. And uh, just, I, I literally finished this, this chapter and I just sit and... I, I'm reminded of the privilege of God's word. Mm, man, praise God. That's so true. And if I picked one word that's a biblical word to, I think, define this passage and every single character that's on there, it'd be perseverance. Mm-hmm. I mean, they went till the end. And what I love about almost all these characters is when you look at their life, maybe not Abel, we didn't get much of him, but there are distinct seasons of doubt of hardship. I mean, just imagine, just imagine Abram, Abraham, Abram at the time, God comes to him. God calls him. uh, And he knows it's God convinced, leaves everything that was ever familiar to him, goes to a place that God's promised to him. And the first thing he finds there is famine. It's going like, um, really? Uh, God, you must you probably were mistaken. If God called me to do something, Pace, mm. and God directed me to go somewhere, certainly when I landed, I wouldn't find famine. I mean, isn't that right? That's what you would think. <laughs> you would think that. And it just goes to show that God does not operate off the formulas uh, that we think should just naturally be true. right? And so just to highlight Abraham's, that small part of his story, I, I kind of cringe sometimes when I hear someone share a testimony, and look, if this has been you, I'm not, you know, I'm not attacking you or trying to shame you. Uh, but I hear a testimony, and the and the concluding thought is this. I mean, here's what, and, and the concluding thought, the takeaway is this: if you just come to Christ, then you'll be happier than you've ever been. Mm. I hear that and go, like, I get there's a deep seated joy that should be unshakable, but man, I. I'm not sure that that's an accurate portrayal of what walking with Jesus is. Right. I mean, and, and, 
and read Hebrews 11 and you find that over and over and over again. Uh, I've been uh, walking with Christ by God's kindness for about 19 years now. Uh, I would say as far as hardships go, they've been infinitely more present in my 19 years with Jesus than they were in my 16 years before him. And so either uh, God promised me something and hasn't delivered, or if I think walking with Jesus makes everything go perfectly, maybe I have the wrong conception of God. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say to that? I, I would agree with that. I think, uh, and, and and it is hard. It is the temptation. You know, <laughs> you want to believe that you're going to walk and it's going to be all this, you know, the greatest thing that's ever, you know, that, that's ever happened to you. And you have this perfect life and it's easy and it's comfortable, comfortable safe, and safe, but it, it, that's not guaranteed. There's nothing, there's nothing. In it. You're absolutely right. You read through this, this list of men and, and, and we see that probably rarely. Mm. Uh, it is the, but there's, there is joy and there's um, a certain level of satisfaction in those trials and in those hardships. Right. You see you, yourselves growing, right? God is using that trial. He's using that, that's right. um, uh, that hard time and he's teaching you through it, sanctifying you through it. That's right. And, and look, Jesus, God in the flesh, um, he went through trial, tribulation, and suffering. Right. And uh, the author of Hebrews says that was to make, that was to perfect his work. I mean, it had to come to completion. Suffering and trial was part of that. It's amazing. You you see the life of Christ. You read the letters of Paul, his little, little blur of his biography of everything that's happened to him. And then yet, the audacity that I would have, which I have had before, or others would have, uh, and then the just the negligent abuse of God's word with which some people preach, this idea that somehow we garner better, more comfortable, safe life. It's like the ultimate goal of God in our lives is that we be healthy, have money, and, and soak up everything this life has to offer. I mean, it's one of the biggest lies from the pit of hell. Yeah, for sure. And personally, you know, like we, we lean, uh, or at least I lean in towards that. And, and so the, the hardship is a reminder to me that, that I am not all sufficient in my own self, that there mm-hmm. is no pull myself up by the bootstraps, a sort of mentality. Although I want that to be true. That's certainly not the case. It doesn't matter how much, um, uh, stuff I have or money I have or how comfortable I can make my life that, um, that that's gone in a in a season. No, absolutely, yeah, and that's the myth of it all. I mean, I live uh, and I, look. I love my neighborhood. I love my house. It's fun. We got kids all on our street. My, my wife can walk at night by herself. Like there are some 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 things of this world that are good that I I value about my neighborhood. None of that prevents tragedy from coming into my life. My faith doesn't prevent tragedy from coming into my life. My vocation doesn't prevent tragedy. There, there are certain things that are completely out of our control. The yeah. problem is we, we live in such an illusion of control, it almost always shocks us when something tragic happens. Like, That's right. I, I understand something tragic happens in you know, a third world impoverished country. Like, wow, you know, of course something tragic, but surely not us. Doesn't prevent us from tragedy, but you know what it does do, at least on a personal level for me, it lulls me into complacency. Mm. And complacency in my faith, you know, uh, you know, life's good. I look at the bank account, I'm like, all right, man, we got extra money this month. Life is good, you know, we're safe. Yeah. Uh, but what's it do? Lulls me into complacency, and it just gets me into this spot where I feel like 
um, you know, I, I've got it all together and That's it's right. all on me. And, and we see this over and over by the example the people quoted here in Hebrews 11. And it's, and it's something, I think A.W. Tozer uh, phrased it like this, uh, and it's always stuck with me, is that God loves his children enough to wound them. Yes. Which is a counterintuitive thought. But it's so true. So if I'm being lulled into complacency, the phrase you just used, which is a tremendous point this morning, uh, oftentimes it's only through difficulty and trial that you're really going to come awake to the fact that you have uh, drifted to that place. Mm-hmm. So pay heed, you know, yeah. you know, pay attention, you know, be, be on alert because that's a... Um, that's healthy. You you could miss it on both sides of that coin, right? That's you exactly could, right. You could miss it if you just get down on yourself in the in the in the midst of the trial. You can miss the work that that, that God is uh, doing in your life. You just totally miss it. And and I tell you what else uh, uh, through this Hebrews eleven uh, passage that I abs that I love. We'll look at some specific examples here in a, here in a moment. But sometimes we read the scriptures and look, it all flows chapter 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 chapter. We miss the fact that sometimes in three chapters, 20 years were just covered. Right. And these people weren't always hearing from God. Mm. They weren't always knowing exactly what God was doing. It can appear that way just by the, the way that we can read the concise mm. record of God's word. But the 25 years from promise to fulfillment for Abraham to have that child. That's right. 25 years. Brother, if I get discontent at work for 25 minutes, I'm ready to do an online search for something. <laughs> you, right. you know what I'm saying? It's like, uh, uh, so what does faith look like? It looks like tangible trust that God is going to do what God promised to do mm. no matter what. And I'm going to wait and courage and faithfulness for God to deliver upon those promises. Amen. That's faith. Amen. All throughout the Bible. I just, just hearing you say that just reminded, you know, you see, um, golly, I, I can't remember the exact scripture, but you see Paul, right? Paul is, um, almost feels called to the mission field. And he, I think he waits 14 years somewhere. It says 14 mm-hmm. years before he goes out on the, on the mission field. You see, um, you see David, David is an anointed as King and then goes back to the, the shepherd, right. you know, to be a shepherd for 20 years, mucking around and, and all that. And I mean, you knowing see that he's t- the King, knowing he That's is right. the King. That's right. And so we, I mean, absolutely you see that time and time again. So you're absolutely right. You hit on that. Just, um, that's so true of that. Uh, you know, what is God doing in the meantime? You can, it's easy to kind of glaze over and be like, oh, David anointed as king and boom, now That's he's right. king. That's right, there he is. There's years in years. between Moses, years out in the wilderness, you know, and so absolutely. That's that's a great reminder for us, Jamie. I had a great, or have still, yeah, um, a great friend back in Austin um, where Shannon and I lived doing ministry for a little while, and he said this to me, and I'll never forget it. He said, what God does in you while you're waiting is oftentimes more important than what you're waiting for. Oh, that's good. And, uh, yeah, that's one of those things that uh, probably somebody's going to take paint and put on Pinterest somewhere. <laughs> uh, and it's fun to hang in your home. That's really hard to live. Mm. I mean, it's really hard to live because it's a daily trust that God's going to do what he says he's going to do. Now, here's what also complicates that is if I'm waiting on a promise from God, that's actually something God never promised. Mm. And that's one thing we're knowing God's word, walking alongside one another, unpacking God's word together in these gospel journey groups. We need to know what God has actually promised us so that we're not inaccurately discontent with God, that we're not blaming God for doing something that he's never promised to do. So oftentimes we can believe God should be doing X. Well, in fact, what he's promised is Y. Mm. 
And what I'm saying in Scripture is suffering. Yep. That's promised. Guaranteed, you will suffer. Yeah, we even see that later in this chapter coming up. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, but um, financial means, uh, housing, uh, health, none of that stuff's promised. Mm. Uh, now, when we don't have it, we can think, God, where are you? You, you know, you should be giving this to me. And it's fine to ask him for it, but he hadn't promised it to us. Yeah. Okay, so a few examples. Pace, you probably got a couple you love. Mm-hmm. Got a couple I love. I just want to focus on, uh, I'll just pick this one. Uh, uh, it's going to be, so. I'm, I'm going to pick two. I'm a, I'm a liar <laughs> already. But as we discussed last week, I can approach the throne with confidence that I'm forgiven for that lie. Uh, beginning of verse 8 of chapter 11. Uh, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out. I love, look at this. He went out not knowing where he was going. Yeah. You know, the lack of Q&A in these people's lives is pretty fascinating. Amazing. Because, God, if you're calling me to go somewhere, I got about 15 follow-up questions that yeah. I need to ask. And I'll shroud it under. I just want to make sure I'm following the Lord. want to make sure God's being clear. God said, Abraham, get up and go. And he went without even knowing where he was going. Yeah. That's trust. Right? He, had, he had no clue where he was about. <laughs> he was about to end up. Uh, uh, he knew it was going to be a foreign land. But look at this, verse 10. Here's why he could do that. He was looking forward to the city that has its foundations, mm-hmm. um, whose designer and builder is God. Mm-hmm. We can go and do anything that God's called us to do here on earth as long as we know that there's an ultimate destination to which we're always headed. So Abraham actually knew the fixed destination. He didn't know all the logistics in between, but he operated knowing what was fixed. And what was fixed is there's this new heavens and new earth. There's this new Jerusalem. There's this city whose foundations are in God that is not changing. That's where we're headed. Uh, We don't have to know all the logistics of our earthly experience, Mm -hmm. but we know that's not changing. Yeah, that's so good. And we just see it, man. We see it over and over and over in the Bible. I, I, I love the list here, but I'm just even reminded so many other examples. We see that just, you know, just trying to lay hold of just the word of God and, and the promises of God and really just cling to them. Even as, even as you just said that, like not knowing where he was going, I was reminded of that story. I don't know if you caught it. Can't remember the exact chapter, but Jonathan and his armor bearer are just kind of walking around mm. in, uh, I think it's first Samuel, they're walking around and they happen upon a whole garrison of uh, Philistines. And there's this, am- there's this amazing story where Jonathan says, let's go up there. Perhaps we'll mm. conquer it or something. Yeah, he uses cool. that word perhaps. And, and I, if I'm, it's exactly what you just said. If I'm Jonathan's armor bearer, I'm thinking there's two of us. That's a <laughs> whole garrison of Philistines. Perhaps I need a little better than your perhaps. A little better than perhaps. Uh, but but again, it's just that 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 truth of like you know just that the Lord has um, the Lord is working in our lives and, and, and He is providing for us and uh, just that leaning in on Him to know that um, His provision is is a spiritual one that He's sanctifying us. It might not be a material provision. It might not be a a comfortable provision as we would like, but He is providing for us. Yes, and. And in that provision for us, uh, sometimes it is calling into these places and we're going, God, I don't know what, like, this makes no sense to me. Mm. And you know what? It may continue to make no sense to you. And a lot of times, 
we're we're all processing life decisions, changes, transitions. You may be thinking through a new job or feel like God's uh, uh, calling you where it'd be overseas or maybe to move into a different neighborhood or, you know, whatever it may be. You are not going to get all the answers to your questions. That's just not how God operates because that doesn't require us to trust him. Right. If he showed us every single thing, then we have no, we don't have to trust him. Mm. We just make a a decision based off facts. And he doesn't want us to make a decision based off only facts because there are facts, facts about who God is. Absolutely. It's unchanged. His character that we have facts, but it's facts and faith, Mm. which is saying based off what I do know about you, God, I'm going to trust you with whatever you're calling me into. Mm. Even if we don't know everything about that. Um, Okay, last one. I got one more. I just want to highlight before we move on pace. Okay. Uh, I love this passage about Moses. It says, By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, we, again, doesn't really make sense to us now, but whoever the wealthiest person in the world you could imagine right now and all the pleasures at their disposal, all the comfort, like whatever dream life that would be, he had it. Yeah. He had it. And he said he refused it, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Mm -hmm. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth. Time out. You mean to tell me he considered suffering for the sake of Jesus as greater wealth? It wasn't something he just endured. He considered this wealth, like deposits into this bank account that were overflowing with wealth as greater than all the treasures of Egypt. Um, That of all that I read here is probably the most convicting passage for me Mm -hmm. because now for whatever reason, now more than my life, I think about money more than I ever used to. I I got three kids. Uh, I desire more worldly things than I ever have. It it feels like out of nowhere. Uh, I am guilty like anyone else of trying to insulate uh, suffering and hardship out of my life uh, and yet Moses here goes do you know it's actually greater wealth to suffer for the sake of Jesus it, uh, that's a greater uh, 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 that's a fatter bank account than you would have otherwise in any other scenario and he says uh, uh, he rejected the fleeting pleasures of sin and the treasures of Egypt well oftentimes in the Bible Egypt is a picture of the world so it's a historical reality, but it also becomes this thematic uh, uh, reality in Scripture, which Egypt is the alternative way of following God. That's why God called his people out of there. And as you watch Israel go through the wilderness in uh, you know, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, here's the thing you see over and over again. God could get Israel out of Egypt, but he couldn't get Egypt out of Israel uh, uh, because they had to make the choice to repent and lay that down. And I wonder sometimes how much of Egypt still is in me. That's right. That's right. I, I, I truly believe I love the Lord. I want to follow the Lord. But I got some Egypt in me. And, man, it pulls hard sometimes. And it is only through faith and trusting God that I go, oh, God's ways are better, I think, I hope. Uh, but sometimes it, it looks like I'm living in Egypt. Yeah, absolutely. The last five minutes will preach, Jamie. That was amazing. Uh, so true. I, and I see it all the time. I think everyone is, experiences so much of what you just said. Um, and even as you spoke, I, I was just reminded of 
where and what I see so much in my life and even what I see in, in my ministry is uh, maybe a sense of discouragement mm. because of um, some of that hardship or that that trial and say, golly, wait, I do I really believe that that's a greater treasure? Mm. And uh, I see that so much in, in, in students, like some of this kind of doubt just creeps in. Uh, and, and I think sometimes when we read, especially, you know, this passage, this hall of faith, as people call it, this amazing, we see, um, I think it's important to remember what you said at the very beginning, that this is a list of great men, um, and but and women, more and women and women. That's true. Great Come on, men pace. and women. Come on, pace. Uh, but even shout more out to than our that, sisters this morning. Shout out to our sisters. But even more than that, Jamie, it's it's a list of men who men and women who persevere. That's it. Yeah, right. it is not a list of perfect people, of, but persevering people. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, just that's a reminder. That's an encouragement to me, and I, I think that's important to to remind our, our our groups. I see that all the time with with teenagers. That's so important to just remind them of that truth. Just. It's about perseverance. Man, Just I'm glad keep pressing, that. keep leaning in, and um, that's right. Because look, I, I can I look at Abraham and I go, okay, I, I can do some of that. Like I can doubt God, I can lie, I mm-hmm. can fear, but also I can repent and I can come back and I can uh, trust God and then I can get fearful again. I, this is a list of real folks mm-hmm. who are trying to walk with a real God in real time with the same struggles that you and me have along the way. And what's the whole point? They finished. That's right. They finished. Uh, they finished faithfully all the way until the end. And and maybe a point of discussion in our gospel journey groups would be, hey, what either has in your past or, or would you maybe project into your future or is currently going on? Like, what are the things that make you pause and go, I don't know if I could keep walking with God if that happened. Or that would really shake my faith. Or this, you know, fill in the blank really causes me to doubt the goodness of God and challenges if I can really trust God or not. I know that would be a vulnerable uh, point of contact in our in our groups, but I think a meaningful one if we could unpack that together um, in your groups this week. Okay, I want to finish this section off by reading something, Pace, and we'll talk about it um, for a few minutes, and we'll be done. Here's what's been true of our brothers and sisters uh, throughout history. Uh, They suffered mocking and flogging, chains, imprisonment, were stoned, sawn in two, killed with the sword, went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated. Here's what the author says. The world was not worthy of them. The world was not, this fallen, broken world did not even begin to be worthy of these types of men and women. They wandered about in deserts and mountains and dens and caves. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Hmm. Since God had provided something better for us that apart from us, uh, they should not be made perfect. All that means is, hey, uh, Jesus didn't return for these people. He didn't stop the suffering of these people, but they continued in it and they died. Why? Because in God's fullness of time, he's drawing more and more people. His, his, that idea of perfect, made perfect is brought to completion. God's total uh, saved people has not been brought to completion yet. 
And so even if you and I today were to be killed uh, for our faith, we would have died not seeing the return of Christ. And that's okay. That's okay. We'll still go to be with him. But I read that and I go, good grief. Like, am I even, am I even worthy to be a Christian? <laughs> Look at what these people went through. And then I go, do you know what? It, even as much as they went through, it's about Christ. That's right. It's about the, they, that happened to them because they believed in the finished work of Jesus. They didn't do this and then get ushered into the finished work of Jesus. And so, yeah, do they make me feel like less of a man? Yes. Uh, uh, but does it make me less of a Christian? It doesn't because we're all covered by the same amount of Christ's blood. But man, how easily pace are you and me, uh, tempted to not trust God with some of the smallest, most ridiculous circumstances in 2018, you know, uh, Germantown, Carville, East Memphis, uh, you know, wherever South Memphis, nor wherever you live and come to harvest, uh, some of the smallest things can derail my faith. And then I read this. Yeah. Convicting. <laughs> uh, but encouraging at the same time. Yeah. Right? You, you just see that, um, that exactly what you said, that there that there is a fulfillment um, in Christ. And we can cling to that. And we can hold to that in the hard times, in the tough times, in the trials. Um, amidst all that, there's a fulfillment there. There is. Uh, last thing I'll say on this, and just a little bit of a side point. The only reason this happened to these people, twofold. One, God was sovereign over it. But two, whatever culture they found themselves, presumably, this is in Roman rule, uh, the only reason this happened to them is because it was very clear they belonged to Jesus. Right? This doesn't happen if they are living in ways that aren't distinguishable from the world, this yeah. doesn't happen if if they're not professing their faith. This doesn't happen unless their surrounding culture looks at them and says, that person is a Christ follower. Yes. Uh, and, and, and kind of a thorn in my side, even in modern American Christian movement, is somehow trying to make Christ more palatable to the world by assimilating him into the world. And I'm just going, I don't see that biblically. These people were distinct. Yeah, these people who, they are gripped by the gospel. I mean, they I mean, they are absolutely gripped. They are being defined by its changing. I mean, everything, I mean, everything we've read uh, up until this point, the argument that he has made, they have been gripped by it. And it has transformed them. It changed them. They look different. That's and right. We're going to look different in 2018. We should look different um, than our neighbors who don't know Jesus. We, we will look different than them. Um but that same thing that makes us different is the power that you know gives us the the um, I guess the the unction to to go through these things and still mm. cling mm-hmm. to that. We've been so gripped by it that it doesn't matter what comes our way. Nothing on this list that they're still gripped by it, despite the stoning or the sword or the temptation or the chain or the imprisonment. They have been gripped by the gospel. I love that. I love that image of being gripped by the gospel. And so at the end of chapter eleven, and we'll pick up chapter twelve next week. Look at this list, this kind of hall of fame of not perfect Christians, but persevering um, um, saints. It is, is to say, say this, that, 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 these, that these men and that these women not only looked different from the world, but they were looking forward to a new and better world that is to come. Amen. Amen.